1: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians radio network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. One welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. A packed show for you today. Stay with us the second half of our show. We had a chance to visit with Stephen Kwan and talk to him about another Gold Glove Award. His second in two major league seasons. Always fun to be joined by Stephen Kwan. And we'll also... Visit with Matt Foreman, the assistant general manager for the Cleveland Guardians, and we'll take a deeper dive into the managerial hiring process, something that hasn't happened very often in recent years for the Guardians, as they had that long stretch of 11 seasons under manager Terry Francona. So uh, some good stuff coming up in the second half of our show. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll talk about a busy week on the transaction front. And here's some of the comments of President of Baseball Operations, Chris Antonetti, as well. That's coming up on the Cleveland Clinic Guardian's radio network.
0: At Progressive, we love sports and saving you money, so we bundled them together.
2: Two seconds left on the clock, third field
1: goal range, and it looks like he's going to go with a five iron. No, wait. The quarterback is skating back on the ice. He's talking with his caddy. They're pulling the goalie. He skates off the fairway as the kicker lines up his putt. It's a breakaway! They bundled their home and auto
0: insurance with progressive touchdown savings, birdie goal!
2: Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Busy week on the roster construction front for the Guardians as a couple of deadlines have come and gone. Tuesday, teams had to set their 40-man rosters for protection from the Rule 5 draft coming up at the winter meeting, so uh, they wanted to make sure that the proper moves were in place. And for the Guardians, a surprising day to many. They added to the 40-man roster. A couple of young pitchers that they're very high on, right-hander Daniel Espino, a former top prospect, still is, but he's been hurt for the better part of a season and a half now, so really hasn't had a chance to show what he can do since the early stages of the 2022 season when he was pitching at AA Akron, and they've also added relief pitcher Cade Smith, who we saw in major league camp a season ago, had a very strong year this past season. Uh, between High-A Lake County and Double-A Akron. He is really on the radar as a back-end reliever with some good stuff. A former uh, World Baseball Classic member for Team Canada. So some good stuff there from Kate Smith. But to make room for those two arms, they designated for assignment reliever Michael Kelly, who we saw a little bit during the season last year. But the shocker to many was um, the designation for assignment of right-handed pitcher Cal Quantrill had a 15 win campaign in 2022, but shoulder uh, injuries really set him back a year ago, and it just wasn't the season that uh, he had hoped for. And uh, he was designated for assignment on Tuesday and then traded to the Rockies on Friday. More on that in a little bit, but first, some of the comments from Chris Antonetti on the Cal Quantrill situation and the other roster moves that were made to set the 40 man roster
3: we have a great deal of appreciation for all of Cal's contributions to our team uh, over the past handful of years and how hard he's worked. Um, but ultimately, you know, we made the determination that um, you know, with where we were in the off season, we wouldn't be able to commit the resources necessary to, um, to keep him through the arbitration process. So um, once we did that, we made the, once we made that determination, we made the decision yesterday rather than losing another player Um <clears throat> And designating another player to create room for the two players we added, we made the determination to designate Cal a couple of days early.
0: What's the uh, prognosis on Espin- Espino, health-wise? Good.
3: Same. He's about six months post-op right now. Um, he's doing a plyo uh, ball program right now, um, and hopefully he'll progress to throwing here at some point soon, and then build up, uh, build up from there. We don't have a clear time frame yet, though, Paul. So, Chris, by resources, I assume you mean financial, and then what does that
4: suggest about the payroll or the rest of the winter um, and your means to make external additions?
3: Yeah, I think we'll, we'll stay engaged with Cal, Zach, but we have to make the determination. Obviously, we look at what the arbitration projections are and what the expected contributions might be for that salary, and we made the determination. And in, in our context, we were better off allocating those dollars in a different way. And so, you know, if, if we don't trade Cal in the next couple of days and he's a free agent, we'll stay engaged with him and certainly wouldn't rule out him returning to us. It just wouldn't be through the arbitration process.
0: Chris, did, uh, you know, the uncertainty with uh, Valley's uh, sports uh, TV contract, did that play into this at all?
3: Paul, we've touched on that before. We don't yet have clarity on that um, other than there's financial uncertainty. So that makes things a bit harder to plan. It's difficult to plan in a normal year at this point in the off season as we're still trying to wrap our arms around what our revenues might be. Um, The Bally's component adds more uncertainty and that certainly makes it harder. Chris, where do you feel like you're at starting pitching depth wise? I know you had to dig pretty deep into that last season. Is that an area you feel confident in or that you need to address? I think we'll always be looking to add depth there, Zach. I think we do feel good about the group we have returning Um, and some of the upper level options um, in our farm system. But I do think that's a place that we will look to add depth if possible as um, as we move into the winter. I think we used 14 starting pitchers last year. And right now I'm not sure I could give you who our 12th, 13th and 14th starting pitcher would be. So to the extent we can add depth there, we certainly will. But I don't think that's atypical for really any team at this time of year, I'm guessing most teams are probably in a position where they're looking to add a one through five starter or multiple one through five starters. Thankfully we feel really good about the group we have in place there. And we just need to make sure we're building depth beneath that.
0: Chris, would it be easier to trade Quantrill now, or I'm sure you you must've tried to move him before, uh, you know, setting the roster.
3: Yeah, we've had, we've been engaged with teams and in trade conversations. Ultimately we haven't been able to find that right partner yet, but, The next couple of days will continue to give us opportunities to do that.
4: Do you have any updates on the coaching staff?
3: We are working through that now, actually. uh, Steven has been in town this week, and uh, we've been working with him on uh, trying to complete that. Our hope is that by the time we break for Thanksgiving, we'll be able to uh, announce our coaching staff in in full. It's a lot to get done in the next few days, but we're hopeful we'll be able to do that.
0: Does this uh, change your approach with uh, Shane Bieber. I mean, do you look at him more as a, you know, kind of your s- still your number one starter? I mean, going, you know, do you project him like you know, start opening the season with you guys?
3: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure there's any connection between the two, Paul. We just have to make a you know decision on Cal. I think we're excited. Uh, to continue to have Shane lead our rotation moving forward and we're really encouraged by the fact that he came back and made a couple of starts at the end of the year and looked pretty good and he's had a really productive off season so far and is setting a great foundation to have a really successful 2024.
0: Chris what were the reports on Cade Smith from
3: last year? Yeah Cade's been exciting to see his continued progress he got an early exposure last year in the WBC for Team Canada and and won the season and put together a really good year in <clears throat> in AAA for us. Um, really, he's a big, physical right-hander um, with a fastball that that really plays. And his secondary stuff, both his split and slider, um, you know, made some strides this year. And you know, we believe that he's he can be a really effective major league reliever for us in the near in the not too distant future. Chris Kyle Manzardo uh, named. To the first team all fall league and slugged over uh, you know five twenty uh, for them out there. Just uh, anything you can say about his uh, improvement in terms of his power numbers. I would actually highlight both Kyle and uh, Chase. The water had an outstanding had outstanding fall leagues. You know we you know partnered with them to with some specific goals for them to uh, work on while they were out there and. Um, Both of them did a really extraordinary job in um, attacking that. And I think with Kyle, we saw some of the top-end exit velocities. He's hit some balls a long way out there, which was really encouraging to see. And I think he's now back fully healthy and uh, can go into the offseason preparing for spring training. But he finished up the season really, really well. Not included in those stats, I think, are the three – I think he had three homers in the postseason there uh, and really – uh, so I don't think even his final numbers will show the totality of his performance where he and Chase both continue to play well in the in the uh, fall league playoffs.
0: Chris, any any updates on Tristan, how he's uh, progressing with the elbow?
3: Yeah, progressing well. Um, you know, hopefully at this point it's just a normal off season as he um you know, prepares for twenty twenty four. So nothing new on that front.
2: So that was Tuesday when Cal Quantrill was designated for assignment and some other moves were made, and and Chris had made mention that they still had an opportunity to make a trade for Cal, and they did, acquiring young catcher Cody Huff from the Colorado Rockies in exchange for Quantrill. Huff spent last season in the single-A California League. He's very highly regarded as a defensive catcher and also – Uh, Put up some decent numbers offensively. He's a former seventh-round pick out of Stanford. Also on the trade front on Friday, the Guardians exchanged relievers Angel De Los Santos, who had done some nice work for Cleveland out of the bullpen the past two seasons. He's been traded to San Diego and acquired. From the Padres is right-hander Scott Barlow, who the Guardians are very much familiar with from his time with Kansas City, a reliable back-end reliever for the Royals, especially in 21 and 22. Those seasons, a combined 140 appearances and a lot of that in uh, high-leverage situations late in games. This year, a slow start for the Royals, but then really came on down the stretch after being traded to San Diego at the deadline. So De Los Santos on his way to the Padres, Barlow on his way to the Guardians, who also signed Ramon Laureano to a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. So all of of these moves coming on Friday, the, the trade of Cal Quantrill to the Rockies in exchange for a young minor league catcher, Cody Huff, and then uh, the Barlow de los Santos deal and the Loreano signing, the Guardians trying to clean things up before the 8 p.m. deadline on Friday night uh, to tender contracts to players. And all 34 remaining unsigned players on the Guardians' 40-man roster were tendered contracts in advance of that 8 o'clock deadline on Friday night. So a lot going on. Chris Antonetti explains the moves.
3: As we announced yesterday, we acquired Scott Barlow from the San Diego Padres uh, in exchange for Angel uh, De Los Santos, uh, we're excited to add Scott to the organization. Obviously, we've had a chance to compete against him for a number of years while he was with Kansas City. Uh, but for us, we view Scott as a as a guy that can come in and, and help us late in late innings. He's got experience closing. He's pitched in a lot of leverage situations. So hopefully he can uh, be a, a key piece for us in the bullpen, especially in those times when uh, the games are close and late.
0: Chris, what what was the difference between Delo and and Barlow in your mind? How how did that that balance out?
3: Yeah, I think in the end we really like Scott's experience pitching in those uh, late innings. One of our goals was, you know, as we talked about last year, we did not, uh, you know, we didn't perform as well in the late innings and, and lost a lot of those close games. So what we were hoping to do is add another leverage for labor that um, could help us in when those games are tight, and it gives us another option on the days when a manual isn't available
4: or um you know maybe
3: a little bit fatigued we have another option to go to
4: back there. Chris does um I guess I saw some of the projections on Barlow's salary is going to be around six or seven million. Is this kind of a trade-off or for quantum control at all? Uh coincidentally their salaries or projected
3: salaries are in the same general ballpark, but you know obviously we need to, to figure out how to manage payroll but there's not necessarily a one for one tie there, Terry.
4: But I just, I mean, in terms of like you said, this guy fits a significant need. Yep, uh, Barlow, and um, so that—that's all I was just thinking because you know with with the money and that, and uh, so uh, what is yeah? Had we Terry had we not made the move with Cal, I'm not sure we would have been able to acquire Scott. There we go. If I could, if I could ask a better question, we'd have got there quicker.
0: You see, like an expanded role with uh, Larry Larry Lariano now. Um, maybe tell me a little,
3: an expanded role with you yeah. know, Ramon Mariano.
0: Yes. Yes.
3: Yeah. So uh, Ramon came over last year, did a good job for us as uh, you know, both playing right field and occasionally in center. So exactly how he'll be deployed, we'll figure out once we have a complete sense of the roster, but we think he's part of the puzzle for helping us uh, be a better overall team next year.
0: What, what did you learn about him and like that short span that you guys had with him this past year?
3: Uh, I think he maybe mostly came as advertised, Mandy, a guy that you know put, uh, puts up really good at bats against left-handed pitching especially, uh, has some power, plays well defensively, especially in right field, and has the ability to slide over to center. So we think he complements our roster
4: really well. I saw, um, I forgot whether Barwell pitched well at the end of the year or the first part of the year. I don't have the stats right in front of me, uh, Chris, but what, what was going on with his? It was like he kind of had two seasons.
3: Yeah, against when, while he was with Kansas City, and actually even I think a couple of games against us, he struggled a little bit against left-handed hitters in particular. Um, that's something that's that hasn't been an issue for him in his career, and wasn't an issue for him when he went to San Diego. And he did pitch really well in the second half while he was with the Padres.
4: Now they're they're kind of cutting budget too, and all that. There is that part of the reason he became available. Would you would you assume?
3: I would have. I would defer to you know AJ on that one. Terry, I have enough challenges managing our payroll and situation, <laughs> let alone some. Well, if you had a
4: bigger just, one like that, then you, yeah. you you have more challenges or more something. So, yeah. Hey, Chris, is there any uh, thought of Cole Calhoun coming back? I'm not sure what his s- situation is right now.
3: He's a free agent, Jeff. So, um, he's one of a number of guys that we'll continue to stay in touch with as the offseason progresses.
0: Uh, with Cody Huff, what kind of what can you tell us about him? Yeah, we're
3: excited to add Cody to our system. It's a guy we like out of the draft as well. Um, He's got a really good reputation defensively, receives the ball extremely well, does a really good job leading leading a pitching staff, and we feel there's some uh, upside to him offensively. So we're excited to add him uh, into our system and gives us another catching option that could contribute at the
0: major league level down the line at some point. You feel with with the trade of Quattro, you have enough – well, right now, from, I guess the top five starting pitching at least. Are... We feel really
3: good about the quality of the group we have. Paul, if everyone stays healthy and you know can make 30 plus starts, I think we feel really good about where we'll be at the end of the year. But we also appreciate that um, things don't always go as planned. So if there are opportunities for us to add depth to the group that we have, we will look to do that.
2: That's President of Baseball Operations, Chris Antonetti. A busy, busy week for uh, the Baseball Ops Department as uh, not only were they uh, shoring up the roster and and taking care of things that had to be because of deadlines, but they're also still interviewing for vacant coaching spots on uh, the Major League staff. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we will visit with Stephen Kwan, who for the second straight year, both years of his Major League career now, wins a gold glove for outstanding defensive play out in uh, left field. He joins Andres Jimenez, the second baseman, who also won a gold glove and a platinum glove as well. So uh, great stuff coming defensively for uh, both Jimenez and Quan. And we'll visit with Stephen Quan after this timeout. The 1-2, swung on, line drive, base hit, left center field. Quan in the gap to cut it off, Carpenter's going to third, throw to third, slide, take, got him! What a play by Quan Oh my! The pitch, and it is swung on, ripped toward the gap and left center, diving catch by Quan What a play by the Gold Glover! Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. We are joined now by one of the the two guardians gold glove winners doing it for a second straight season left fielder, Steven Kwan and uh, Steven, uh, you back up what is a, a really prominent award for defensive excellence. And, uh, when you do it again, that second time, what, what level of satisfaction is there for you to gain another gold glove award this season?
1: Yeah, it's super affirming. And I think it's also super affirming for all the people that, that helped me get there. Um, obviously a lot of people had a hand in that and just being able to kind of put in the work and show people that, you know, doing the the small tedious stuff every day pays dividends. I think that's a, that's a really cool message to share. And obviously for myself, it it's something that I've always prided, prided myself on, even when the hitting doesn't go great. I know that I can make an impact with the glove and it showed there.
2: And it, it's such an individual award, but uh, you kind of touched on it there that that there are a lot of people to thank. And, and I know uh, you had mentioned earlier your center fielder, Miles Straw, is a big key for you. And, and explain how that works and how that makes you a better player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think it's it's criminal that he was not at least mentioned for, for the Gold Glove stuff. I mean, he makes my job so much easier out there. Um, his range seems endless. You know, left center, right center, it doesn't even matter where he's positioned. He just somehow finds a way to, to cover so much ground. But for me, at least, it makes it really easy to, you know, shade and cheat towards the line. I think that's where a lot of, like, the sexy plays at least are made or down the line or in foul territory. But the only reason I'm able to do that is because I know that that left center gap is going to be covered by miles. Again, like I said, whether he's even shaded there or not, like he just has a knack for, for finding that ball in his glove. So um, if it was a different center fielder, you know, maybe a different story, but I would, I have to give a ton of credit to miles out there for making my job much easier.
2: I know we touched on it a little bit a year ago, but you were a career center fielder for, for the longest time. Yet last year you made the switch to left. Uh subtle differences are are there some big keys that that you had to adjust to to become an outstanding left fielder?
1: Yeah, no, a lot of a lot of differences really. I mean, the most obvious one, the angle is 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 much more different, but I mean, there's just less ground in left field. So, a lot of the plays that are made are kind of off that first initial jump. Um in center field, it's more like you got to get the good jump, but then, you know, you have to have really efficient strides towards the ball and you know, you got to make the play there. So, it was a that was a big learning curve, and then it's also in center field. At least I was I know I was really good with playing balls off the wall, but of course, like I said before, with more ground, you get less of those plays. But in left field, um, big powerful righties, especially in the big leagues, they're peppering the ball off the wall, especially in Cleveland with the high wall. So, I think that works to my benefit at least that um, I know I can play the wall really well, keep some doubles to singles or you know there's a runaround first and a ball down the line um we can keep them from scoring so a lot of those things um a lot of those things play into it I had a lot of help obviously from the coaches and getting me there but um it was it was a big transition but it, it there was some benefits from center field that I had for that
2: you mentioned coaching and you had a, a new coach for the guardians this year at the major league level in terms of outfielders and JT McGuire but um you're mentioning that that you and he went back a ways in the minor league system and and what did he do for you coming up that kind of set that foundation uh to have success at the major league level defensively
1: yeah no I think the biggest thing that kind of caught my eye was um he just had a lot of drills and a lot of like insight that I had never seen before from like an outfield coach like I feel like you know in a little league high school travel ball it's like outfield drills consist of like quarterback drill and then you know maybe some live live stuff but like with him it was very methodical it was very intentional like you know we go out there on windy days and he has a tennis racket and these little light um like squishy golf balls so he hits it up in the air and that ball is dancing like i've never seen that before i failed on that a couple times and i'm like oh gosh like you know this guy isn't just out here to you know check off a you know check the boxes like he wants us to get better um you know teaching us different things um hitting hitting a uh, little squishy balls with a fungo as literally as hard as he can while we're sprinting in like I think it was those things where I was like, okay, like this guy obviously loves his craft. And that was just somebody I wanted to attach myself to. Um, and through the minors, we would always consult each other about different things, kind of unlearning some things I learned in college. Um, he gave me very tangible proof of like what the big leaguers do. Like he pulled up Ichiro, Jeff Francois, and a lot of those things. Um, and it showed me what I needed to get to to become an elite outfielder. So a lot of my success, I'd have to, I'd have to say it was through JT.
2: And that's all going to get the baseball. Uh, you touched on it earlier, keeping runners from taking extra bases. And um, a lot of that is arm strength. You have a strong arm. But Michael Brantley always used to say that, that outfield assists were were in the legs because of how you went and got it. And is that the biggest key, playing those caroms off the wall and, and things like that, that make your arm look really good sometimes? I think,
1: yes. I think another part of the story is uh, the quick release. Um, I have also shorter shorter limbs in general, so the kind of transfer time of getting the ball from my glove to out of, you know, or ball in my glove to then getting it out and throwing it, that's just going to be a lot faster than, you know, somebody with longer levers. Um, so, I think a little, you know, biologically, I'm blessed in that aspect, too, But but to go back to what Brantley said, like, those balls coming in, like, you have to attack those fearlessly, almost, like, you know, we talk about like do or die balls. Like, there's, I mean, runners in MLB are fast; they're athletic. Like, you can't kind of gingerly get a ball and like, kind of go up to it, thinking that like, okay, after I catch this, like, you know, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna make up for my arm. Like, you gotta sprint through it, snatch that ball, and then the, with the momentum that carries your your throw. So, um, it's a lot of those things, but I would agree it's it's big. A lot in the legs; it starts from there.
2: Stephen Kwan joining us, a gold glove winner for a second straight season in his major league career. And, Stephen, uh, a year ago, I mean, it was a haul for Guardians players taking uh, gold gloves away. And uh, this year, it's you and Andre Jimenez who, who wins a gold glove. Uh, you have a, a unique view from the outfield of some of the great plays that he makes. And um, how much can you appreciate what he does to earn another gold glove? I mean –
1: kind of the same as i was talking before like he does a little tedious stuff he works every day um i will say my depth perception isn't great just because obviously i'm in left field he's in second base so like balls that are to his left and to his right i can't really see how far to the left and right it is but to that point also like anytime there's a ball hit that way and he doesn't get it i'm like oh so nobody could have got that like that must have been way in the gap i'm just so used to seeing him make every single play obviously the ones the routine ones right at him balls up the middle balls to his left. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Like people use the analogy of a vacuum, but I truly think like he epitomizes that to the most any ball on the ground that hits him. I mean, or even in the air, like he gets to it's, it's truly amazing.
2: Steven Kwan joining us and uh, you wrap up your, your second major league season, the the guardians with some transition here this off season and personally for you um, any changes in how you're going to go about it, preparing for spring training with, with two years in the books and maybe some learning experiences from a year ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think last year with kind of how we finished in the off season or in the postseason, I mean, um, and then obviously with like the whirlwind of the year, I, I took a lot of time just appreciating how what happened, like kind of looking in the rear view and just, you know, processing like what really happened. Um, and in doing that, I think I started a little too late. I don't feel like I was super ready for spring training this year. Um, so with that in mind, I'm trying to be on the other end of that. Like I think I want to, you know, I'm starting a little earlier than I normally would working out a little more than I would on different things um, and seeing kind of how that, that takes me. Um, and I, I, t- I was talking to you before um, Vogue was telling me about how every off season's a little different. And I think that gives me confidence to kind of go into this uh, head first and, you know, try something new that I wouldn't normally try.
2: And you mentioned Steven Vogt introduced last week as the new manager for the ball club, very small sample size, but early impressions of him just on some small conversations.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, he talks with, with great confidence, great poise. Um, obviously, he was very close, or he's not very far removed from the game. So he's going to have a great insight on that. Uh, really excited. But also on the other end, obviously, he had his great years with the uh, with the A's, and I grew up right around there. I admittedly didn't grow up an A's fan, but it's hard to ignore when he's putting up numbers like that every single year. So as a fan of baseball in general in the Bay Area, like I'm, I'm super excited to, to be under him and, and learn as much as I can.
2: And for the team, it obviously didn't finish the way uh, most of the players expected or wanted it to, but uh, what's that mindset in, in the off season now as you prepare for a new season uh, coming up here in 2024?
1: Yeah, I talked with uh, with Josh and, and Steph about that, actually. I think it's obviously that's not how we'd want to do it, but I think it's good that a lot of us didn't have years that we wanted and the team didn't do as well as we would have wanted because I think, again, after that last year of just you know Cinderella's story, we weren't we weren't picked to to be you know winning any games, blah blah blah. Like you know there was kind of like a high and mighty feel I think that we had where you know if we do the same thing we'll be in a good spot. I think getting kind of punched in the face a little bit is gonna reset that mindset and you know really bring bring the whole team back down to earth. And I know it's done that for me at least. Um, I never want to feel that way uh, on the last series of the of the season thinking these games don't matter at all. You know, I want to make sure we play meaningful baseball as much as we can. Uh, I want all our teammates to be doing as well as they can. Uh, I think it's going to really motivate a lot of us to perform the best that we can going into this
2: next year. Well, Steven, as always, we appreciate the time. Congratulations on the gold glove. It's an annual thing now in your major (laughs) league career. And uh, that's a great thing to be able to say. Yeah, I'm hoping
1: so. I hope we can keep that going. I appreciate you, Rosie. Thank you.
2: Always great to have Steven Kwan join us and congratulations to him on his second consecutive Gold Glove Award. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Assistant General Manager Matt Foreman and take a deeper dive into the managerial hiring process. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Boy, don't go away, folks. This has got a chance to be a classic ending.
0: At Progressive, we love sports and saving you money, so we bundled them together.
1: It's 40 Love here in the third set. And there's the bell. She's coming off the bench hot, looking for a quick knockdown. But wait, she's driving to the hoop. Oh, down (laughs) goes the champ. Now that's another double fault. She'll be shooting, too. The serve is up. And here comes the left hook. She's bundled her home and auto insurance with Progressive. Swish Ace Savings TKO.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
2: Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Joining us now, Matt Foreman, Assistant General Manager for the Cleveland Guardians. And we wanted to have Matt on uh, this week with it being not too long that Stephen Vogt was officially announced as the manager for the Guardians last Friday. And uh, he's a week into the job. And and Matt, I know uh, you were referenced a couple of times in, in his introductory press conference from Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff about your role in in the process and coordinating that process and and how efficient and effective that turned out to be. First of it, when you were given that assignment, it seems overwhelming because it's been a while. And uh, what was your reaction when they said, "Hey, Matt, why don't, why don't you kind of put this whole thing together here and, and facilitate things as we get going?"
5: <laughs> yeah, Rosie, thanks for having me on. I think uh, I don't know that I would have said it was an efficient process, but hopefully, hopefully, it was an effective one. Um, you know, we had so many people across the organization involved over a number of weeks, and couldn't be more excited about hiring Stephen Vogt as our as our next manager. And yeah, I think you know, fortunately, because we have such a collaborative dynamic, um, everybody across the organization who contributed to the process made it um, made it so seamless. So, you know, a lot of ways I was playing air traffic controller for the process, but we have such a great group who contributed to to bring the process to life.
2: And when you look back on it, uh, I'm sure you want to kind of cast that wide-ranging net of, of potential candidates. How did, how did you determine what's too much and and maybe what's not enough to, to try and find that happy medium so that you really got a good cross-section of, of potential candidates for the job?
5: Yeah, we started really broad. I think we probably had a list of about 50 initially. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we had a diverse group of candidates with a variety of skills and experiences and backgrounds. And, um, you know, we, we started with a ton of reference work to get to know candidates through other people's lenses. Um, and I think you're right. It's a, it's a balance of zooming in and zooming out making sure that, um, you know, at each turn we were being, you know, thoughtful and, and open, open open-minded, but also narrowing things down as we got more and more information. So, um, that was the art and science of, of the process of working toward a decision. But to your point, I think the the process itself was uh, just so invigorating and enlightening and educational in so many ways, and I hope in that regard developmental both for the people that we got to know in the process and for people across the organization who contributed to the process.
2: And when you look at managerial jobs, I'm, I'm sure throughout baseball there are some what, where a certain candidate would look at, at certain jobs and say, that man, that's going to be a tough one. And there's others where they would say, Hey, you know, I, I like a lot of the things that are in place. And, and what did you hear from, from candidates that, that made this an attractive job?
5: Well, I think we've had um, a great deal of continuity and stability, both, uh, from an ownership and, um, you know, front office perspective, but also a, a coaching staff perspective. I mean, um, Tito you know, was such an influential figure in our organization um, over the last decade plus. And he made the, the joke, I think, at his last press conference that oftentimes you have a, a hug at the first press conference and you don't often have a, a hug at the next press conference. And um, I think from a distance um, and the feedback we heard is that people appreciated the way that we uh, partnered with Tito and, and the stability that we were able to to create together by having such a supportive environment.
2: Matt Foreman's joining us. He's the assistant general manager for the Cleveland Guardians, and he was the coordinator of the managerial search process. And, and it started a little bit early as Tito had, had made some references that, that this very likely was his last season, and it turned out to be. Was that an, an advantage in certain ways in that it wasn't something that, that happened a week or two after the season, but, but you had a pretty good idea of what was coming here for, for a little bit before the end of the season?
5: yeah, I think in so many ways, Tito was um, selfless and thinking about the organization's best interests by communicating how he did, what he did, and when he did to you know, Chris and Mike. And um, that gave us a little bit of a head start to be able to to know um, that Tito encouraged us to begin thinking about what a future would look like uh, with a different manager. And so, um you know ultimately, i th- I think we ended up. Uh, one of several openings across the league, and I think we are the first um, at least formal official announcement across the league. And so I think we had a little bit of a a head start relative to the the league and, you know, in our process. And it it allowed us to be really thoughtful about, you know, what are we seeking um, in this position and who are all the possible candidates who could, you know, who could fit that criteria for for what we're looking for.
2: So you get to the finish line, and it's Stephen Vogt, who is just a year removed from his playing career. You said, uh, you mentioned earlier, you had not met him until this process began. Um, what were some of your first impressions maybe from just what you had heard from other people or, or viewed from a distance compared to, to that first meeting that, that you had had with him?
5: Yeah. Well, I think the common refrain from people who, who we spoke, um, with about Steven was just how great of a teammate he was. And, um, I think that's one of the highest compliments you can you can pay someone especially in the in the baseball industry it's just he was he had a reputation that he had earned over you know a 16 year professional career 10 years in the major leagues and you know six or seven different organizations as an incredible teammate who cared deeply about the people around him who wanted to bring out the most in everybody and um you know th- those are the, some of the characteristics that initially stood out and certainly those qualities and attributes, um, were illuminated by Steven as we got to know him, you know, over the last several weeks. And, you know, I think Chris had mentioned in, in, uh, the press conference to introduce Stephen that we were looking for a caring connector, a collaborative partner, um, and a self-confident learner. And Steven really embodied each of those things, um, through others. And, uh, and through uh, our direct experiences with them in the process.
2: That's Assistant General Manager Matt Foreman, and we thank him for his insights into the managerial hiring process. That's going to do it for our show this week. A reminder, no show next week in observance of the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll take some time off, as most of America does, over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and we'll join you the week after next. So uh we hope you can join us then. Until then, as always, thanks going out to Brian Matze for all of his help on our broadcast each week. And until we join you in early December, this is Jim Rosenhaus reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.